0: I was uh, trying to give some thought to what the uh, dharma talk might be, and uh, I I generally like to see just what comes up and allow that to um, take form and uh, just go with that. So one of the things that uh, has Come up in quite a lovely way is the question—a question about bowing. And what are we doing here? What is this? What is all of this about? In the uh, the Mahayana tradition, there are three schools, right? Let's just cut to the chase and say the middle school. Uh, China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam uh, traditions, as well as uh, Tibet, Mongolia, and some others. Uh, There are essentially two sutras, texts, that are considered the most essential texts throughout those traditions. And um, they both hail from one particular really big one called the Prajnaparamita Sutra, the uh, Perfection of Wisdom Sutra. It's enormous. It's like 178,000 chapters or something, you know, bizarre like that. It's written over the course of, you know, 400 years. out of them there are two one is the um, the diamond sutra it talks a lot about bodhisattvas and the other one is called the heart sutra and the heart sutra is just that it's the its full name is the prajnaparamita heart sutra the, the heart of the perfection of wisdom sutra so it's the distillation of this enormous text distilled down into, um, depending on the translation, you know, something like one good page. And so it uh, talks about the Bodhisattva Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva of compassion that Michelle spoke of that the Dalai Lama is the embodiment of here on earth. He is the reincarnation of this Bodhisattva whose name means she who hears the cries of all and answers them. And she's sometimes pictured with lots and lots of arms, lots and lots of arms, so that she can help all beings. And lots of eyes sometimes, too, so she can see everyone's needs. A bodhisattva, a body, awake, awake, like the bodhi tree that the Buddha sat under. Sattva is being. So it's an awake being, an awakening being. That's their job, to awaken other folks. And the lovely thing about them is that they in fact have the capacity to attain full Buddhahood and never come back to this old world of ours. But they make the choice, the conscious choice, to hold that off so that they may instead return over and over again until all beings are saved. An enormous promise. I will continue to come back until all beings are saved. That's a bodhisattva. I have also uh, come to understand that there is a translation. The the Sanskrit is a very spiritual language. It the time of its. Coming into being was a very heightened time I mean across the across the whole world. Uh, Socrates is doing things and, and the, 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 the whole world was simply in an enlightened stage of spiritual pursuit uh, so sattva is also uh, translated in from the spiritual perspective rel- religious spiritual perspective as warrior so they are warriors of awakening. They do this with great intention, and so we have Avalokiteshvara, who is that embodiment of, and the most uh, common embodiment of the the bodhisattva of compassion. Sorry, fellows, no mistake that she's a woman. <laughs> Uh, And so the Heart Sutra begins by talking about her and says, Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva was doing deep prajnaparamita. She was doing deep perfection of wisdom. When she clearly saw the emptiness of all the five conditions, and it goes on and it gets to this line, it's long enough to, that we don't have time to go through all of it, the important piece. She says, form is no other than emptiness, emptiness is no other than form. Form is exactly emptiness, emptiness is exactly form. So much of this practice is about form because all of the practice is about emptiness. And one of the many forms that is taken is the form of the bow. The bringing the hands together, the one and the two joined together become one. It expresses non-duality. The not this or that. The one. And when one brings one's hand up into the bow, in Japanese it's called the gasho. One's hands are in gasho. And you may note sometimes that Japanese, they actually hold it out a little further like this. Uh, Less like the typical prayer position, more sort of really done. They're really in the bow. Uh, This is a gesture of bringing whoever the bow or whatever the object, circumstance even, together, and saying, no separation, just one. A symbol of the universality, the interconnectedness of all of us. I bring you together in this gesture of bowing. Now the bow is um, certainly very much a part of the Asian tradition and culture, and it existed before Buddhism found rolled its way into the neighborhood there. And the value of it, however, was seen, so that it continued and has carried on and been brought wholeheartedly into our tradition as we practice here in the West. Uh, Westerners are pretty arrogant. You know, we run about the world and figure our way is the way. So many of us could use some bowing practice. Many of us. And in fact, many of us deeply resist, uh, particularly from non-Asian descents, deeply resist the bowing. What am I bowing at? Who am I bowing to? Why should I be lower than you? When you bring your hands together to bow to someone, the bow is more for you than it is for the other person. It is your own expression of your practice, your own expression of your willingness to transform the sense of separation between me ending right here and you beginning over there, whatever that may be. Didn't someone say something about bowing at cats and dogs? (laughs) One can bow to anything. And after a while, the bow becomes something not that you are doing, rather than something that is kind of doing you. The bow just comes. It arises because it is a true expression. Ah, I feel that, and the, it just becomes very natural, yeah, let me acknowledge, just like one nods their head, you don't even think about it anymore, where you say, mm-hmm, those kinds of gestures, the bow is very similar to that in in the way in which it simply arises and becomes something that is a part of you. and a very um, public display and expression of I am no longer separate so uh, some traditions bow all over the place they're always bowing bowing when you come into the room which I see many people have picked up. seems like everyone. And uh, when I come in, I, I don't cross the path of the Buddha without, the Buddha, the altar, without giving it my respect. And saying, thank you for your teaching. Thank you for the Dharma. Every time I come, thank you for the Dharma. And I get to my seat. Thank you for holding me up. And then I turn around and the most significant bow is thank you to my Sangha for holding this space with me. And I have to say what has just been absolutely lovely is that without having ever said a word I have found that many of you have returned the bow, which is in fact what we do in our tradition. And so you can see it's a natural arising. It just makes sense. And all of the form is like this. And the questions about why are we doing this fall away, just like mind does, just like the thoughts fall away you know, at some point, in one's meditation. And there, in that falling away, one finds the emptiness, the disappearance, the uh, transformation of the duality that keeps us apart, that keeps us shielded in holding back enclosed in our pretenses in what we should be and could be and ought to be and what we may not be what we're afraid of being every time we bring our hands together and bow we are rather than closing we are actually opening the door of greater potential for ourselves. We are opening the door for greater connection with all beings. We are opening, expanding the possibility of finding heart-to-heart connections. And you'll notice it in that little bit of eye contact just before both heads go down that little heat that says I see you and it's just delicious it's like the last spoon of ice cream on a really really hot day and no one taught you that no one could have possibly taught you how to have that heat in your eyes no one could have transferred that shared moment to you we can only present the form and then allow the form to take over and carry you away into the emptiness of the form, the spaciousness that holds all of it and gives us the ability to hold all of it. Sometimes I'm alone and I may hear of something that sounds very difficult and I'm bowing before I know it. I might be bowing in the prostration in which one's head touches the floor and forms the gesture of lifting the, the Buddha's feet above one's head. In the Mahayana tradition this is the Hold a, this is a full bow in the Vajrayana traditions, and I believe in also some Theravadan traditions. The full bow is actually a full laid out prostration on the floor. Uh, Choyan who's speaking tomorrow night, may speak a little bit about that. But none of it matters. Hmm? If it's not done with intention, it's a different bow, you know? It's like the white folks that go to Japan and they're just doing it because they see the Japanese do it, and, you know. and the Japanese stick their hand out instead (laughs) and say, because you're not doing that right. (laughs) There's something wrong with your neck. This gesture is complete. It is holding everything. It is pulling it all in pain, sorrow, people that are oppressed in the world, women being raped, men being killed in wars, unjust wars, all wars are unjust wars, mothers separated from their children. The bow holds all of it. It pulls it all in. And when you bring your hands together if you begin to allow more and more of that in you end up just like Avalokiteshvara hearing and responding to the cries of all beings you bring it all all in and you hold it and you lower your head in thoughtfulness and you raise up again ready to work with whatever is in front of you and so that you are able to take care of yourself as well let it go you no longer find yourself concerned with the whys and the wherefores of the form of this practice you just do the practice because the practice is what is in front of you you are all experiencing the opportunity to um, share space with people from different traditions, and we have different ways. And so some of us are ringing the bell three times to start, and some of us are not ringing it, and some of us are kind of thinking about, should we be really ringing it? You know, it sounds like a little nervous kind of ring sometimes. Uh, And that might be a little confusing And you might say, well, what's going on there? You know, they can't even get the bells together. And in that moment, perhaps you can wonder, well, what is it I'm concerned with? Who is concerned with the bells? Are the bells me? And if they're not me, why should they be carrying me along on this journey? Who's concerned with the bell? What is it in me that's concerned with whether it's happening or not happening? What am I holding on to in that moment? Look at that mm-hmm. when you feel like things are going on in Dharma centers as they will, all sorts of things you know to call your attention to irritate you, somebody's breathing too heavy, whatever somebody's just not getting it right. look at him, he just can't get it right. Look at her she just she doesn't know how to really sit well, you know when you when you really get down into your meditation, you know, you get judgmental, you think, look at me, I'm doing this really well. They don't know what they're doing. <sighs> Frustration. You've got to look at that and say, what is that? Because none of it means anything not a thing. You can ask us, and we can say, well, you know, the statue means this, and the flowers mean this, and the candle on this side would mean this, and if we had incense burning it would mean that, and it refers to this and that and the other. And it goes on and on and on. I mean, there's a huge, enormous Buddhist canon, and we could comment on it and discuss it. And and believe me, people do. They make careers out of doing that, and take it apart and tear it to pieces and look at it. And it's all very, very interesting. Trust me, I'm not at all saying it's not interesting. It's just the form. It's just the form. And deep down in that form, if you dig and you dig, and you participate, and you do it because it's in front of you, and you say, okay, three bells, fine, okay, one bell, great, okay, 16 bells, that's a lot. (laughs) Mm. Somewhere in there, you begin to find that there are little parts of you that have disappeared. There's little chunks of resistance that have fallen away. And whether you're doing kitchen duty or toilet duty is no difference anymore. Whether you're bowing to the teacher because they deserve it, or a homeless person on the street because you don't have any change to give them, and so you offer this instead. It all is those tough chunks of self falling away lost in the form. Just lost. And when you keep doing it, and you keep doing it, and you do it not just when it's easy, you do it when it's hard. You know, bowing to the Buddha when you come in is uh, quite easy especially once you get a little explanation about the respect because that all sounds great and lovely and it makes a lot of sense but how about bowing to this guy is going to send us in another war he's going to send us into this war in my name. Ultimately, I am responsible for that action. Can we bow to what's hard? Can we hold the form when it's not so pretty? when it's not so easy, when it doesn't make sense to this. Can we bow for priests abusing children? And in that bow, knowing that what we're acknowledging is there is nothing any human being does, nothing that any human being does that does not exist somewhere in me. The seed of every action of every other being exists somewhere in me. And until I transform all of that potential, all of that negative potential, it will be out there manifest and it's manifested so that I understand and realize that I have more work to do and that my practice is not like saying the alphabet and I'll get to Z and I'll be done it's continuous and it's perpetual and it goes on and on and on and on on and on its practice its process it's not a goal why do we sit no reason why do we bow for nothing we just do no reason If there were Dharma police they'd come and arrest me for telling you that. There's no reason. You don't sit to save people. You don't sit to save yourself. You don't bow to give anybody respect really. You just do because that's what's in front of you. You just do because it's what arises and the only thing there is to do is to be true to that moment right in front of you and if that moment is bowing then it's bowing it's not what you do it's how you're doing it don't judge what you're doing Bear witness to how you're doing it. Don't concern yourself with what everybody else is doing even to you. Yeah, you know, and we're sitting here and we're folks that understand the meaning of things being done to us. But the indestructible self is created right here. I'll take that too. And I'll take that too. I'll continue to take it and I will continue to bow to it until it's there's no, nothing left. It's a practice. We are practicing receiving, receiving all of it so that we can transform every single last bit of it, and we transform it into nothing. That's the uh, the not go, go It has a stage at which is transformed into positive hmm? But beyond that, It's transformed into nothing. Extinction. Nirvana. All free. Empty. Dropping all of it away. Not most of it. Not just the parts I don't like. Yeah, this practice is You know, a lot of us come because there's things that we don't like, right? And so we think, I'm going to, you know, ride that cushion to freedom from the parts that I don't like. But the real practice is dying to all of it. Because even the parts that you like could be spoken mirrors, stuff that's made up. So you die to all of it, completely gone, completely empty, broke down, they say. So that the true self, the spontaneous self, the moment-to-moment self, the self that is created in in perpetuity. I'm never who I was a second ago. I'm always something new. Why? Because everything is changing. The situation changes. Always changing. Everything's always in flux. Microscopic level. This is physics. Everything is moving. Everything is changing constantly. And if I want to live the most dynamic, true life possible, I change with it. I change right with it. And in order to hone that skill of being able to change with it, to take it all in, be ready for all of it, I bow. Enjoy your counsel.